Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. On this episode of The Real Bottom Line, I am interviewing the starters and founders of Atlantic Blockchain. This is such a cool interview as we dig into all things about using crypto and blockchain in your business. We're not going to talk about it as an investment. We're going to talk about what you may be able to do to set it up to accept it as payment and all those kinds of things. It's also our first interview with a couple and we talk about role fluidity and the importance of saying yes. It's a good episode, so enjoy. This is The Real Bottom Line where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. I am so excited for our guests today, Keegan and Murugakshi from Atlantic Blockchain. So we're gonna go down a lot of different roads today, but first, welcome. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah. That's super exciting. Atlantic blockchain, I'm assuming, is not your first venture. How did you guys, uh, what are your, what is your backgrounds and how did you end up at Atlantic blockchain? It is our first venture. At least together oh. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, but you had a business before. Uh, it was a sole proprietorship. I had a quick stint in VR, virtual reality. Oh, neat. Yeah, that was in 2016. I was a little early, um, but uh, and I, it wasn't quite the niche that I wanted to settle in either. Um, but uh, Atlantic Blockchain was something that Rugakshi and I wanted to do because we both felt like we didn't want to have bosses anymore. Mm. We both wanted to be in control of um, our own destiny and like a little different for you because you... Uh, I graduated in 2018, uh, yeah. summer 2018, and then we started our business later that year. Oh, nice. So you've yeah. never known the tyranny of a bad boss. Um, I've had bosses before, but what? I can't say that I know what a bad boss is. I've watched lots of television on it, though. So The Office tells us all about it, right? <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So in the green room, you made an interesting comment. You, you've done a lot of pivoting to come up with Atlantic Blockchain. So what does Atlantic Blockchain do and how did you get there? Well, actually, we did a lot of pivoting after we started Atlantic Blockchain. Like within Atlantic yeah, Blockchain. Yeah, because we started it because we just wanted to start something and work for ourselves. Uh, and that was in November 2018. But we didn't know anything about business. Both of us are graduates of computer science from Acadia University. And, uh, you know, we we didn't really know all of the basics. So if you got to solve a problem that somebody has, not, you know, figure out a solution. Excuse me, figure out a solution and try to sell it to the market. You got to listen to your customers. You got to fall in love with your customers and then, you know, try to match your product to them and nobody, all of those fundamentals of how to start a business and match your product to the market. We had no idea about. Oh, so, yeah, we started Atlantic Blockchain Company or ABC because uh, Keegan was working in blockchain, the blockchain industry at the time. That was his previous job. 
And uh, when he and I got together and he introduced blockchain to me, because after I graduated, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. There's so many things I could do in computer science. And Keen's like, have you heard about blockchain? So uh, later that year, we were like, wow, in Atlantic Canada, Canada, there really aren't any companies or a lot of companies developing on blockchain technology. Why is that? Or oh, maybe it's because they don't know about it or how to use it. Let's start a Atlantic blockchain company that educates all of these people so that we have more adoption for blockchain technology in Atlantic Canada. That was our pitch for why uh, or justification for starting Atlantic blockchain company, essentially. Awesome. So fast forward almost, what, four years, four and a half years since you started. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in that period of time about running a business? What was some of the key things? Like you, you went from knowing nothing, if we will, all about business, and now you're here four and a half years later, which congratulations, a lot of companies don't make it this long. So what have you learned? I think one big thing is uh, say yes. Uh, find your first customer that uh, that's going to pay you over and over again and uh, nurture them, keep them. Uh, we got, um, I, I don't want to say lucky, but it was it's a good happenstantial opportunity that led us to develop a different branch of our business. Again, like later in the, later in time. Yeah. Um, so it was like mid 2019 and a company approached us to do uh, content that teaches people how to do, uh, how to get a hold of and safely adopt cryptocurrency. And that's right up our alley. So um, we, st we we weren't content writers, though. We had never done this before. They're like, do you want to be an editor-in-chief for this site? And we we're like, mm, sure, let's do that. <laughs> that yes. doesn't sound like a yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that we, was internal. Yeah, we can try that. That was my internal voice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, internal like, yes, we can do that. Absolutely, we can. We've done that before. Yeah. So we said yes, and they're still a customer today. Uh, but that led us to build a different brand or branch of our business called Go Full Crypto. And that well, that was a podcast. And the podcast allowed us to reach a much wider audience. Um, and so the two lessons there that I would say is say yes, um, because you don't know like what is going to lead you to financial opportunity. And that did. And then we like the other lesson is, OK, you've got one customer that's paying you. Go find or try to find 10 more of the same thing because they're out there, right? Yeah. Um, and if you can find 10 more of the same thing, then you've got 10 paying customers. And that's uh, that's what led us to have some successes in 2023 to 2022. How did you find those other uh, customers? Did you do a LinkedIn? Did you just reach out to your network? Like, how did you find them? Well, a lot of the time they found us and we found that by them finding us, we had an over 90%, over 90% conversion rate from them con converting into our clients. It's because you have an awesome uh, landing page. I built a page. really good landing page. Yeah. Yeah. So that, <laughs> nice. that worked really well. Um, other than that, like we bootstrapped our credibility in the space with the podcast. Yeah. Um, like we have 99 episodes on this thing, but like at one point in time, we were doing two episodes a week. Um, and it was just like basic cryptocurrency education and people really liked us. So we developed that no like and trust relationship um, just from people listening to the podcast. And then yeah. they um, contacted us and was like, hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Um, I'm looking for content, like all of that stuff. It was it was a really good way for us to already have a relationship before the first email or the first call with the client. That's awesome. Yeah. Podcasting is uh, the bomb. It rocks. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I love getting to hear stories just like we're going through today in terms of that. Let's talk a bit about what it's like to work together as a couple. Yeah. Do you have role descriptions? Do you have like, do you 
do you cover the same uh, responsibilities or do you have completely separate responsibilities? We had those. We had the role descriptions uh, when we were working together a lot more. And um, that changed over time as well, the roles. So yeah. uh, for example, when we started off, I was the CEO and Keegan was the CTO, but then Keegan became CEO at one point and I was CEO and we're just a two-person company. We had one employee at, at, at one point in time um, and then we worked with a lot of contractors. So these these roles, the, these they don't roles, mean much. Yeah, <laughs> but it was also the responsibilities that we decided we'd share that change. Like I was doing bookkeeping in the in the very beginning, and then that slowly changed over to Keegan doing all of the bookkeeping. And Which means that I'm kind of the CFO, like if you want to think about it that way. Yeah. Um, and then like we both handle a lot of the technology. Uh, yes. And then for our clients, um, editing is a big job. So I was editor in chief first and then Rugakshi took over that role. So like we trade off roles a lot, but like there's not much overlap. We like when we have a role, we're usually letting that person fully take that role. So would you say that or do either of you have like perfectionist slash control freak tendencies? Minus the second. Uh, yeah. perfectionist um yeah. like which is actually a, a positive thing right like if you can be a perfectionist without a control freak uh aspect on it then i i think that's the the good thing the, the positive side of it yeah yeah do you find that it keeps you from shipping you know like the, in the words of seth godin you know if you aren't embarrassed by what you first ship then you shift too late um what are your philosophies on that i think that earlier in our business my perfectionist tendencies definitely stopped us from pushing something to the market earlier simply because I didn't think it was ready, but Keegan Keegan is a very fast worker. So he gets, can we say, can we, what words can we use on this podcast? Anything? Okay. He, he can get shit done fast. Yes. Um, but I'm a little bit slower because I take way more time to make sure everything is all right. Mm. And earlier in our business, we hadn't figured this out about one another. Mm. So um, he would get, you know, he would finish it and he'd want to push it out and be like, no, Keegan, it's not ready. But as we worked more together and as we learned a little bit more about business, we learned that it really doesn't have to be perfect, especially if it's V1, V2 or whatever. Um, and it's not going to be. So V10 might be the thing that is perfect because you've you know, gone through the cycle of listening to what your customer wants or what the market wants and then re chain making the changes and then reiterating. Um, so I actually forgot what the question was uh, <laughs> while I'm on this. That's okay. Well, it sounds like it's interesting. So it's almost like the rules are fluid. The roles are fluid in yeah. the sense of it's who has the capacity versus who wants to do something. And then you kind of shift it around. Is that characterize it correctly or no? It's not even who wants to do it. It's like who has the capacity and who's best for the job. Yeah, oh. that's 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 good. That's a good way to put it. Because I like I've naturally gravitated towards the, the numbers side of yes. things, like the um, the finances and the accounting. Um, and like Rugakshi and I make high level uh, financial decisions together. Um, but in order to do that, like I need to spend a good deal of time every year with our accountant and our accounting to put things in such a way that um, that it can be we can pose the questions in high level ways. Um, it's like, Rugakshi, this is where we're at. Uh, what do you think that we should do with this this loan or with this new client that just gave us this money or whatever yeah. it might be? Yeah, I love that. It's the it's to make sure because I'm I'm a fanatic about this is making sure that your accounting measures what you should measure so that you can actually make good decisions. 
So there's a couple of interesting things I'd love to dig into just a little bit, and then we'll shift over into the blockchain crypto stuff. But the first is someone who doesn't want to ship and someone who wants to ship. How did you guys negotiate that? Like, how did you decide, oh, it, I'm okay with it shipping or I'm okay with it not shipping? Do you know what I mean? Like, how, what were those conversations like and how did you make those decisions? We haven't really built products uh, within Atlantic Blockchain Company or shipped a product, let's say. Yes. Um, like, we're a service-oriented company. And I would say that, uh, like, we really caught a good synergy when we started the podcast because mm. just by default, they don't need to be perfect. Um, like there's like a rough and tumble aspect to podcasts just in general, you hit record and then like your first episode, you're more or less comfortable with just shipping it as is and seeing what happens. And then like, as time went on, Ruga, you put a lot of, uh, like you um, went out and found an editor or what do you call it? A producer. Um, yeah. And uh, like got a little jingle made for the beginning and just like fine tuned our podcast as we went, yeah. which naturally embodies the um, the thing that you were describing, Ruga, is like iterating over your product. Yeah. You've got something good. But shipping like doesn't have to be about a product. What I interpreted your question as was uh, in the beginning of our business, if both of us did not have the same decision on uh, whatever we were putting out, then yes. how did we reach a conclusion? I think that both of us are have very balanced egos. And I think that we definitely knew that one of us, if one of us was pulling, the other one had to push, uh, or if we were pulling or pushing together, there it just, we wouldn't go ahead. So if someone was stuck in a sort of high ego situation where they wanted to be like, no, we shouldn't push this ahead. Like every single time we came to that sort of step, the other person was like, okay, I'm just going to let this happen. Um, whatever the other person wants to have happen. And then once the result was out, then the each of us looked at what the result was and then realized what we actually should have done. So we were hyper aware of what uh, what the solution or what the conclusion of our decision was. And then we talked about what we could have done better. And then the next time we were at the same step, it was decision-making was a little bit better and, and egos a little bit were a little bit more balanced. Um, and at the end of the day, at the like the, the most fundamental thing that both of us knew is that we still wanted to work with each other. We loved working together. And yeah. we learned that more and more when, uh, we had another person, not not our employee, but we worked separately or individually with other people. And we realized, oh my gosh, I really like working with my husband. Or, oh my gosh, I really like working with my wife. I love working with her. Uh, we realized that we were really good at flowing together. Yeah. What would you say? Is it is it because you have this level of trust? Is that what makes it such a good match in terms of working with someone who's your spouse? Respect also. Respect. Yeah. Like respect for what you know and where you're coming from and your opinion. Um, like we we make a lot of space for each other to to hear each other's position yeah. on uh, if we're at a crossroads. And just like creating that space is really helpful um, because then both opinions are on the table. You can evaluate them. Um, and like, you know, there's no words that are off the table. We can say anything we want to each other. And, uh, and so it just, you know, you craft what you think is the best plan and then uh you don't have to worry about you know censoring yourself with with your partner at all it's just it's just all out there and then you know we decide where do we go together and like Rick actually said 
like sometimes one of us might have to, you know, be like, okay, actually, I don't think this is the right way to go, but we're going to do it anyway. Cause like, I trust that you really want to do this this way. And right. we're going to like, we're, if we're going to make a mistake, we're going to do it together. And I want to be there for your mistake. And uh, we've done, we've done that a couple of times. I think can't like yeah, recall. We've, we've made mistakes, but I think another thing that just qualities that we're blessed with is we don't blame the other person for not listening yeah. Or we're like, well, if you would have listened to me, then this wouldn't have happened. Right. Is that just not right. at all? The blame game. Yeah. I love that, that you're being intentional about reviewing what you've done. And I sometimes feel like when we make mistakes, we actually can learn more from them than the successes. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, is when you give each other space, do you naturally fall into a rhythm or like a, almost like an agenda, or do you have a formal agenda for that type of discussion? You know what I mean? Like, or has it evolved over time? It's definitely evolved. Yeah. It's, def- yeah. it's never the same. Yeah. I would say. Over time. yeah. It keeps getting better. It's iterating as you go as well. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to add a little bit to actually what you said for me, it wasn't so much about creating space. It was that like, we don't bullshit. Like there's no bullshit between us or there's no drama. Or there's no facade of I'm better. I'm like, I'm fit for this role or this bravado that, you know, sometimes as founders, they need to show the world so that they can either yes. receive money or receive respect or whatever else. Like uh, with Keegan and I, it's, we know who we are. We live together, right? We spend so much time together. There's no putting up that false uh, narrative of who we are. And I think that's one of the reasons why it allows us to understand each other so much when we're making decisions together. That's amazing. Your business is making a profit. You're growing, but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. Don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your Financial Diagnostic Score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. Not a natural segue, but let's talk. About, um, let's talk about blockchain and cryptocurrency. I feel like, uh, much like how you felt about business, that it's this big, uh, you know, nebulous qual- quality thing that we don't understand. Um, I feel the same way that people feel that way about blockchain and crypto. And I don't really want to focus. I don't want to talk about it as an investment opportunity. I want to talk about it as a a business opportunity from in terms of structures and maybe expanding your market, all that type of stuff. What does a business owner need to know about blockchain? Um, depends on what kind of business owner they are, really. Um, but I, I guess as a general knowledge piece, blockchain is a kind of database that works like a security camera, except with information. Oh, so, sorry. I've ever heard it explained. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah what, yeah, what what we're actually is like aiming at saying here is that it records everything that happens within its own system. Yeah. Uh, so like a security system, it creates a pretty steady stream of data. 
yes. that you can then go and audit. You can go and review a, um, a security camera and, and see what happened and um, like have a reasonable degree of confidence that what you're looking at is the truth, um, at least from the perspective of the security camera. So if the security camera is not capturing the whole picture, then, then yes, you might yes. not be able to uh, assume much as the truth. We're getting a little nuance. There, you but. can see what happened as well as what didn't happen, which, you know, with the security camera, you can you can see that nothing happens. So your store is safe or, you know, whatever you're safe. And, but with data right now, you're not always able to know that nothing happened in the time period that it wasn't monitored. So with blockchain technology, if you can see that, oh, there were, there was like all of these blocks are just empty. No, there was no transactions that took place. So we're sure that there was no manipulating of the data or like no funny business. Could you give us maybe one or two stories of how people have integrated blockchain into their business. I mean, like, so we're, we're one example and like okay. this, is, this is getting into uh, finances and like, this is not investment advice or, or a pitch for an investment at all, but like it's our, it's part of our strategy. It's like, it's integrally linked into how we run our business. Um, and that is like when 2020 rolled around, we, we decided to convert hundred percent of our cash reserves, our Canadian dollar cash reserves into Bitcoin um, as a long-term um, wealth retention strategy. And so that that is actually what I would say is the primary like use case application tool for using blockchain is is finance or or money specifically Bitcoin. And so th- another story or example of a company doing this is uh, Tahini's Restaurant in uh, Ontario, London, Ontario. Okay. Um, they're uh, Egyptian immigrants uh, that were uh, financially repressed while they're living in Egypt. And they also saw Bitcoin for some of its properties that it had for in terms of Bitcoin helping them protect themselves against financial oppression. And so they also converted uh, their cash reserves into Bitcoin as a wealth retention strategy. So like we can get into all sorts of reasons why they might want to do that. But um, like in terms of integrating blockchain into their business, like I would consider integrating integrating Bitcoin into your business, uh, an example of integrating blockchain into your business. So I was, uh, one of the things I was thinking about with blockchain is one of the examples that's used in my industry is when you sell or buy, uh, when you sell a mutual fund, it's T plus three days because the day you trade, and then it takes three days for that trade to settle because there's so many different little checks and balances that are going on with regards to that sale and that settling of that sale. And that with blockchain, it could potentially be reduced to two seconds. So is there any cases that you guys have heard of or work where it's it's at that level as opposed to just a, a crypto solution? Not that I'm saying those are bad. I'm just saying, you know, what else can could someone do if they're dealing with contracts, if they're dealing with sensitive information, like what what could blockchain do for that? There's a there's a branch of blockchain um, that uh, IBM is working on. It's called Hyperledger, um, mm-hmm. and that's for supply chain management. And so um, companies like Walmart and FedEx have um, done proof of concepts with there's, there's three in general. There's three properties of blockchain that these companies are interested in: auditability, immutability. Yes. And transparency and okay. so not all blockchains have those properties but in general they do um and so if you're a supply chain or shipping company and you're you're wanting to know um the entire journey of your product may it be mangoes let's just say mangoes to the point in time like from the from when they're grown on the tree uh, to when they end up in your store if you want to know that entire journey 
then a, a blockchain might be a solution for that. Um, in, in our opinion, it's not clear that that is the, the case yet. Um, right. Blockchain is still nascent and there's still a lot of issues to work out. Uh, one of the main problems with implementing blockchain from tree to the to store is that every single person or entity along the way that touches the mango has to be on board with participating and yeah. using the blockchain. And that's kind of a difficult a, logistical problem. To, a lot to of build. it needs to be automated as well, because it's no different than using a normal database than using a blockchain. If even if all of these parties agree, if they're entering data on the blockchain manually, then you still have a lot of room for error and manipulation which you wouldn't if the data was automatically entered onto the blockchain. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for that explanation. Now, if you got, let's say that um, you guys decide to hire me to do something for you and you want to pay, pay for your, the services I'm rendering in cryptocurrency or in Bitcoin, as we're saying, what can I do as uh, someone who accepts payments for work set up so that I can accept Bitcoin or Ethereum or some sort of uh, coin to get payment for it. How you just does that work? You know how if we were sending it to you uh, via e-transfer or a wire, you'd need to give us some numbers or an email address. It's just the same. It's just one address that would be the address to your own wallet that accepts Bitcoin. And yeah. that's all you would need to give us. And then okay. from there, you could sell it for Canadian dollar. You could trade it for something else. Or you could keep it in Bitcoin. Or you could keep it in Bitcoin. And uh, there's some tax implications, of course. But yes, other yes. than that, um, yeah, you can trade it for whatever you like. And uh, as you alluded to earlier, it settles a lot easier. So when we're paying international contractors or being paid internationally, it's our preference to be paid uh, sooner because we have access to the money sooner. So if they pay us in Bitcoin, like we don't have to wait for a wire transfer. We don't have to pay $17 for it to arrive in our bank account. Or a percentage of the amount to the third party that's facilitating the transfer. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, when I use um, Stripe, for example, as a credit card tool, I'm paying 2.9% plus 29 cents. Yeah. So if I use cryptocurrency, am I eliminating, eliminating those fees or are there different fees? There are different fees. You're eliminating fees to receive. It's free to receive cryptocurrency. It's free to receive Bitcoin. Um, but when you uh, trade that Bitcoin for um, for Canadian dollar, you're exposing yourself to something like a half percent to a one percent fee. And then you're also by holding Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, you're exposing yourself to that volatility of that asset, right? And that's uncomfortable for some people. And so you have to have a strategy for uh, get rid of it quickly, right? As yep. soon as I get it, part with it, trade it for Canadian dollar, and you know you're minimizing your volatility risk at that point. Um, and otherwise, um, you could hold it. That's our strategy, <laughs> just yeah, hold yeah. It for a very long time. And then be exposed to capital gains tax if we sell it into Canadian do dollars later. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the next question I have is: so for me, if I wanted to, and I, I own, I own no crypto. I have no wallet. I have no intermediary. What would I have to set up to be able to accept? your payment? It would depend on what you want to do afterwards. So there is a wallet where you can download a kind of wallet that has no access to an exchange. And we call that a self-custody wallet because you are a complete owner and custodian of whatever is uh, on that wallet. Or you could download or sorry, sign up on an exchange and have a wallet on there. So for example, you're in Canada. So I'll take the example of ShakePay. ShakePay is an exchange 
And once you sign up on there, you can either accept Bitcoin or Ethereum. They give you an address through your account and you could share that with whoever you want to have send you Bitcoin or Ethereum. And that way, if you wanted to convert it right into Canadian dollar, you can do that right on the exchange itself. And the exchange is kind of like best thought of as a neo bank or a crypto bank. That's okay. kind of how you want to be thinking about it. All right. I don't know whether I should go there, but I kind of really want to know about the implosion, explosion of the FTX. I think I'm saying that right in this yep. in yeah. the US. What happened there? What was going on? <laughs> it was that a was that a neo bank and that it just blew up? Okay. Yeah. That, 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 that that's exactly right. It's a bank or a neo bank or a crypto exchange like ShakePay. But uh, the difference is that uh, FTX was obviously operating what we now know was a Ponzi scheme. Um, they were rehypothecating funds, meaning they were taking users' deposits and they were putting them somewhere else um, and giving them uh, giving loans out. They were investing in um, all sorts of other businesses. So FTX is not the only company that went down. Um, Sam Bankman-Fried also had something like 120 other businesses that, uh, and they were all essentially using the same pot of money, which was users' deposits. Um, and that's um, that's just obviously bad. Um, and it can't go on forever. And so the time, it looked like the, the ticking time bomb that was the Ponzi scheme. It was that particular scheme's time to, uh, to explode. Is there something that could have been an early warning system to not use them versus... Uh, Shake Bay. That's actually so. That's a really interesting question. Like, were the warning signs there? Um, and like, it depends on who you ask and which, like, who would consider what a warning sign. Um, that's one of the things that was interesting about S SBF and FTX is um, they did a like it, they did a lot of signaling that they were um, a moral, ethical operating exchange. Like they had their users' best interests were audited. Uh, look, guys, we've got uh, all of your deposits on hand. Uh, we're giving money to the Democrats. We're investing in this thing. We've got all this money, and we're a very profitable business. So, like by all appearances, if you just took them at face value, uh, yes. they they were like. Uh, a mammoth. They were Goliath. They were going to like rock this world and like bring in the new age of cryptocurrency. Is that is that what's called virtue signaling? That's called virtue signaling. Yes. Um, yes. And so, yeah, when it all imploded, like all of that was was seen like we're going back through it now and looking at where their actual warning signs. And so like it does look like the things that signaled that they were okay were the exact same things that were signaling that they're actually uh, not okay, right? The virtue signaling, we should have seen it as such um, and like seen through the facade uh, rather than taking it at face value that, that they are who they say they were. Is there something that I could do or a question I could ask or a piece of data that I should look at that would help make me, if I set myself all up that I'm not picking an FTX? Well, so Murg actually told you about the two types of ways to hold cryptocurrency. Yes. One is a wallet that you own and control. Um, she called that self-custody. It's called a self-custody wallet. It's no different than holding gold bricks um, in the safe in your home or, or yes, cash or under your mattress. Cash, or cash on your wallet, too. That is the yeah. self-custodying your own cash or your own money. So if... Um, even if F, uh, FTX exists and implodes, that has absolutely no bearing on the money that you're holding in your wallet, right? right. Yeah. My bank so, goes down, it doesn't affect the cash in my wallet. That's exactly right. And so that is the best practice with respect to safely holding your cryptocurrency. The biggest implication there is that just as if you would forget your wallet on a bus uh, and it was never to be seen again, if you were to lose your self-custody wallet, there's no way to 
uh, retrieve your funds. Yes. And that is the other story that is not so good. <laughs> okay, cool. So I love this conversation, you guys. I learned so much about just even how you guys conduct yourself in your business together, but also your subject matter expertise with regards to who are your, who should call you when, what is, what is my pain point? If I want to talk to you guys. He can have something. He can have answers for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd contact us for any number of reasons, all related to cryptocurrency. Um, someone contacted us saying that, hey, I think I've been scammed. What should I do? And yeah. we're helping that person identify whether or not there's anything that can be done with respect to the, the fact that they've been scammed. Hey, I have this opportunity in front of me. This person reached out to me. What do you think about this? Is this something that's viable? And like we can we can kind of help and coach around that a little bit. Other than that, companies that are looking for uh, software development uh, with respect to cryptocurrency or blockchain, that is like consultation services that we offer. Yeah, but that's kind of low on the list because we turn a lot of people away simply because it's we have some sort of moral standing here. So we rec- if yes. we recognize that okay, whatever you want us to build is is going to end up being a Ponzi scheme or you're just going to bank on the hype that you generate from your marketing team, but you're not, there's nothing of value here. We just turn people away because we don't want to partake in that sort of product building. And so our bread and butter has ended up being content that educates people that that's actually what we really like to do um, and are really good at that. We pay our contractors, um, writers around the world to, to make our content for us. And and we distribute that content on uh, platforms that that many people can can watch and see. I thought you were going to talk about the lawyer thing. Oh, the law, the lawyer thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. True. <laughs> Sorry. So I, I think I'm just going to summarize and then I'll let Keegan riff sure. on that. Um. So if your pain point is I have been scammed, what do I do? You can contact us. If it's am I being scammed? Scammed? Can you tell me? You can contact us if you want um, content written for a site that you're building or a startup project that you want um, evergreen content for or news content for in the scheme in the sphere of cryptocurrency you can contact us and then last but not the least if you are going through a divorce with your partner and they are shielding a portion of cryptocurrency that they have or um, not being truthful about how much they have, then you can also contact us. And Keegan has an example of what he did recently. Right. Last year, I wrote an expert that. letter for a lawyer, um, for a person going through a divorce. Um, and uh, they knew that their partner had been involved in cryptocurrency. And so when the, when they were reporting uh, their finances, um, they uh, they contacted me to, to make a letter saying whether or not I thought that report was truthful. Um, and so then they used that in order in within the proceedings to, um, well, I'm not sure how they used it, but they used it. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. I love that. It's kind of, there's a, a, a lot of different reasons to call you. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, where is the best way to get people to contact you? Is it just through your website, Atlantic blockchain.com? No, the best way that people can contact us is probably our um, individual handles because uh, ABC, we started it as ABC, but now we focus a lot on GoFull Crypto, which is our content business. Yes. So uh, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram and our names are our own. So, well, actually, I'm Bitcoin yeah, Keegan, Keegan is basically Bitcoin all Keegan. over the Internet. And awesome. uh, I'll get your on. handles and we'll pop those into the uh, chat below the podcast. So thanks again for coming. And I want to say that the real bottom line here is say yes. 
Wow, there was just so much learning in this episode. Do you want more? I have a special offer for the right entrepreneur, a complimentary one-on-one coaching session that is all about you, your business, and your goals so that you can accelerate your business and start to accelerate the growth of your net worth. Head over to wealthcoachwithwendy.com. There you will find a letter that kind of outlines all the details of this offer and also an application form. We have an application form because there's such a limited number of of slots that we're opening up for this that we want to make sure that the people that um, do are successful in getting the slot we can make the biggest difference with. So head over to wealthcoachingwithwendy.com and apply today. Thanks.